try for me, Argentina. The truth is I never left you. All through my wild days, my mad existence, I kept my promise. Hello everyone and welcome to Rainbow High Notes with me, Jacob Adams. And today I'm joined by one of my favourite voices on the West End. You may know her from Fiverr. Everybody's talking about Jamie and Brooklyn at the Greenwich Theatre. Here is Heba El Sheik. Hi! Oh my God! Hi, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Great, are you enjoying the snow? I am, although it's melted a little bit where I am, so... Uh, yeah, it looks awful. I've never known it snow longer and none of it's settled. Yeah, I know. It's literally felt like it's not stopped snowing, but it's, yeah, none of it's settled. It's just a bit um, slimy. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you finding the third lockdown? I mean, I feel like everyone's feeling the same. Just just trying to keep going, but, you know, good days and bad days is everyone. Oh. Yeah, completely. Right, shall we get straight into it? Okay, let's do okay, it. Perfect. So tell me how you started performing. Was it in school? Well, I, I went to like a normal secondary school um, and we, like it was an all girls school and we did like shows <gasps> there. Uh, oh, what shows did you we do? We did like Grease and like, uh, right, yeah, mainly like Grease. With like a drag king, Danny Zuko. I was very, da- I was Danny Zuko. I was oh Danny my Zuko. God, amazing. Um, so, and then like part time, I went to like a Saturday school for kind of like um, singing lessons, but it wasn't like one on one singing, it was like more group singing lessons. Um, yeah. And then when I was when I was 16, like a few people had told me about the Brick School. Yeah. So I went to the Brick School from. 16 to 18 um which was amazing and that kind of solidified that I wanted to do this as a a job and then a, f- a few of my teachers there said I should apply for drama school and then I went to Mountview and then did three years oh, there. Amazing. yeah so when you were younger were you always obsessed with musical theatre um I loved uh music I loved music I loved and I loved like plays and tv and film and theatre but I didn't necessarily know like musical theatre as a genre I I knew it existed but I didn't know the kind of yeah completely yeah so like I I obviously watched I grew up watching all the Disney films and that that, that's that's basically musical theatre and um so I, I my first kind of I watched my first musicals I watched were The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Um, like in the West End. And then Oh, Disney. Yeah, how, how appropriate. I know, but then my first kind of memory, like proper memory as like a little bit grown up was Wicked. That was my first kind of Yeah, completely the same thing. Yeah. And then that for me, that was when I was like, Yeah, I, I wanna do musical theatre. Like that yeah. watching that, I was like, Yes, this is this is it. Well, uh, did you when you watched Wicked? Did you were you like I want to be Alphabet, or were you kind of daunted by the prospect? I mean, I my sister and like my family who went with me will tell you that like I begged to for them to buy me the like CD of the cast album, and mm. from when I watched it, I wanted to be Alphabet or Glinda. I thought Glinda was hilarious, and I I, I loved her as a character, but in terms of like just it's, like Alphabet, I was obsessed with Alphabet from from the beginning, oh, yeah. like from the beginning completely right and then so uh you went to Mount View and then was your first like big production ghost yeah like that was my first How professional amazing. like my first yeah. professional job yeah uh so you were cover Molly yeah. weren't you on the Asian tour yeah uh, tell me more about that. what were the Asian audiences like because I've heard they're quite quite quiet 
do you know what? Yes and no. Like they love they loved the show. Obviously, we it was an English. We did it in, in English, so yeah. there were subtitles on like either side on like the screens. Oh. Um, so sometimes, like if there was like a comedy moment or something, the laughter would be a little bit delayed. <laughs> or, so like that that was interesting. But they were like they were great audiences. They love musical like Asia. Yeah, like, they, do, they love musicals out there. So they and Ghost is such a big kind of hit in Asia. So they loved it. They loved oh, it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Like the film. Oh. They love the film. So like they love the musical as well, I guess. Did you ever go on for Molly? Nope. I never went on. <laughs> I never went on. Oh, what a shame. Do you know what? I had the best time on that show. I learned so much. Um Lucy Jones was Molly. And right. Liam Doyle was Sam. And just the cast on that the Asian tour was like incredible. Like some of my best friends I met on that on that tour. And it was such an amazing learning experience for me, learning from Lucy as well, because she's a dream. And so it was just for me like I had I had a good enough part in the show to feel like I was doing stuff, but at the same time, it was nice to not have any responsibility and and, yeah, like, and just get to dance and be a part of a, a company, which was incredible. I loved it. Was it your first time going away from home? And yeah, actually going on tour. Yeah, 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 definitely. Oh. I, I'm I'm a Londoner, like born and raised, and I went to school in London, so I'd never I'd never like gone away on my own for that amount of time like I'd gone away with my friends on a holiday but I'd never yeah. I'd never kind of gone away for six months doing a doing a tour so that was fun that was, that was a lot yeah. of fun yeah what sort of cities did you play we did um like Beijing Shanghai Taipei Singapore and Macau um some more kind of r- rurally areas uh Shenzhen Qingdao like we did a few like you know yeah uh, did you get to go out and experience 100%, it? Hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like that was the best thing I think about doing an international tour is that you get to experience the city you're in. So like, we all we did we you know we did the Great Wall of China. We did uh, some amazing places in Shanghai and Beijing, and we went to some amazing temples. It was just so like, just because never did I think I would get to go to Asia and like not even yeah. let alone to work and do that as a job and get to do a musical so it was just amazing to get to kind of like explore that that side of the world as well yeah and speaking of being away from home Mm. where's your next job Aladdin in Australia well I did a few other things in in between but my next kind of solid musical was was Aladdin yeah oh how did that come about well I auditioned for the London production and then they were like oh there's an there's an Australian production would you want to audition for it um, and I, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll audition for that. And there was there was about nine rounds of auditions and they auditioned in London, New York. And as far as I know, like L.A. and like ev- everywhere for this and Australia, of course. Um, so we had about nine rounds and then I was waiting for like six weeks to hear whether I'd gotten it or not. And then I got it and went to Australia for about two years. That's Absolutely insane. I can't imagine just jetting off to the other side of the world to be part I mean, of this massive blockbuster. It it was scary but also exciting at the same time. Like it, it was obviously scary to to just go to Australia. I'd never been there yeah. before and that was this is the longest time I, I was gonna be away from my family and friends and stuff and that was scary. But at the same time it's a Disney musical where I'm playing Jasmine. Jasmine. I was like it would be stupid not to to go and 
experience that. So it was it was amazing. I had the best time. Oh yeah, completely. Uh, so Aladdin's so big, and so many girls dream of, including me, dream of being <laughs> Jasmine. Did you have any um, really? memorable stage door moments with these little girls or oh my gosh yes everyone I think like um for me it was so important to get to play a character like Jasmine because uh I'm from a a Middle Eastern background like my mum is Moroccan and my my dad's Egyptian and so to get to play a a princess that looked like me and be a a represent like to represent that for so many people was such a kind of bucket list moment for me and as far as I know and this could have changed now but I was the only person of Middle Eastern descent to ever play Jasmine in like including yeah so including the films including the Broadway production the West End production as far as I know I was the only person from that part of the world to play Jasmine so that for me that was like such an incredible uh moment I guess and like going to stage door and seeing people like response to that and just I think Jasmine is such a kind of fierce and fiery princess and for anyone no matter your gender sexuality race religion whatever just seeing someone who is that kind of like powerful and strong and fights for what she believes in is you know like inspiring to so many people so the people I met at stage door were just incredible there was this group of people in Sydney that called themselves the Jasmine squad and they would come (laughs) they would like come to stage door and it was I loved them and like yeah it, it was so nice to get to meet people in that way as well when I was there yeah, definitely. Uh, were there any differences between the English production and the Australian production? Like, you didn't have to speak in that Australian accent. No, no, no. We all spoke in an American accent. It was like, it was the yeah. same production. I'm pretty sure it was the exact same production. The only differences were is that obviously we were technically a touring production. So mm. even though we did long sit downs in in each city, so it was like 10 months in Sydney and I don't know, like 10 months in Melbourne or whatever, we, we didn't have the traps so like yeah. uh some if you've seen the london production like the genie comes out of like the floor mm. but in our production it, there were some really cool kind of changes that they actually then brought into the um to the broadway production and they because they loved some of the changes they made for mm. the the touring production they added them in to the london and the broadway production afterwards so that so it's essentially the same show there's some changes that are made kind of for to to for Australian audiences like rather than say diapers in America we said nappies in Australia even though they would understand it was just like small things like that that was the changes but other than that it was exactly the same yeah when I I watched the show here Mm -hmm. like the carpet was amazing but Mm -hmm. I was baffled by that moment in the box in uh I still still can't figure it out so that was that was actually um something that happened in the uh in the Australian production that, oh, really? then got, that then got moved to London and yeah. Yeah, that is actual witchcraft. <laughs> uh, so being such a tech heavy show and like magic yeah. tricks like that, did anything ever go wrong that of really course. sticks out in your mind? Oh, oh my like God. Like the carpet yeah. didn't fly magically. Yes, <gasps> yes. like I think, uh, you know, that's norm- that's happened everywhere. But like there was one time where, this was kind of like oh, I don't even know if it was Sydney or Melbourne, but it was 
was the first time it had ever happened. Um, and we were there was no contingency because it had never happened before. So you know how like in Wicked, if Alphabet doesn't fly, they all go to the floor. And, oh, you know, yeah, it's devastating. We, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> like, we, it had never gotten to that point ever for us to figure out what the contingency was because it had ne- the carpet had never not flown before. So we we flew, but halfway through the flight, it stopped. So we had to sing the rest of the number from like from that place and then the curtain came in after we kissed and the curtain came in and it was a showstop and then we picked up from from the end of the carpet ride so like on the on the balcony on the steps but so stuff like that happened but the majority of the time it didn't so when it did it was like like yeah yeah yeah, so it was kind of like more excitement than it got than a heart attack we we knew nothing would ever happen to us but it was more that kind of like oh my god what are we gonna do what's gonna happen from when you're doing a show for a long time it's those things that kind of keep you on your toes a little bit so what is the plan b if the carpet doesn't take off do they just like pump smoke out no it always always takes off so like it never it never didn't take off so it just stopped and floated it it was like midway through flight sometimes it would like stop or like it wouldn't basically it's, it's got like a a set route that it does on on the flight so like if if halfway through the route it stopped what would happen it was then it would go back to its kind of like yeah Yeah, and then we would still continue with the rest of the show so that was the contingency that happened afterwards but but yeah that like never happened (laughs) it happened like once or twice but it, it never happened so when it did it was like okay we're doing the contingency kind of thing yeah. And uh, how did you keep that um, show fresh for doing it two years? I mean, I I loved doing that show so much. Yes, and I think, one. yeah, and for me, like, I any show that I do, I always tell myself, literally before every show, I'm like, this audience is seeing the show for the first time. So even if you're tired or whatever you're feeling, it's like, well, this audience needs to see this story being told for the first time you're telling this story for the first time for this audience so that always used to give me like a a boost of like here we go let's go so uh, that's how I kept it that's how I kept it fresh for me and enjoyed doing it every every show and also like with with any show there's changes sometimes like the the creatives come in and they change some things and then that keeps it fresh or you know they they like something from the US tour so they'll come and put it into our production so it's like it constantly evolves and and changes even when you're in a long running show okay so after Aladdin what came next for you uh I did Anthony and Cleopatra at the National a Shakespeare house, yes. I say. Yeah. Was that daunting, learning a Shakespeare? Do you know what? It was so, like, exciting rather than daunting. Because I, I was like, I've just done a Disney musical for two years. Yeah. This couldn't be any more opposite. But also quite similar in terms of how, like, heightened Shakespeare is. Yeah, completely. So it was, like, the perfect kind of transition. And the character I played couldn't be any more opposite to Jasmine if she tried. So it was just kind of liberating to do something completely different. Um, But it was for me, like, nerd Heber was living her element because I I was was learning so much doing that job and, like, watching incredible actors at the top of their game do their thing. So I was just sat back and absorbing everything as much as as much as possible uh, what was one of those um eureka moments that you had watching these incredible shakespearean performers at the national i mean it it was just that we're all human 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're we're all human. We're all we all make mistakes. We all trying. We're all trying to just do a good job. So, for me, it was kind of like liberating to watch people do their thing and like see how different people work and some people are so kind of like um intellectual with their approach and do months and months of research and some people it's more kind of like a physical thing they have to be in the room so it was nice to kind of like see how everyone worked and see what worked for me and like mm. absorb that but yeah just getting to watch them work like, like the whole time I did it was a eureka moment genuinely yeah. it was like wow this is amazing and just seeing that was a lot uh, like incredible uh, would you say you changed your approach to like uh, the material rather than uh, doing a musical? Um, like I, I'd like to say that like I've always been like someone who uh, looks at the script and the text first, like with everything that I do, even even in a musical, like I'll always be someone that looks at the story and like yeah. the storytelling because that's why we do musicals like we're trying to tell a story whether whether it's a musical with script or sung through like there's always a story to be told even in a song like one song and I say this to all my students that I teach as well like every song has a beginning middle and end and like a story to be told in that in that one song um so it it changed it it changed it in a way that I cut myself more slack like I was less kind of like um hard on myself for things because I was like actually like it's okay to just you know figure it out you don't have to be perfect every time um and it's okay to not know the answers to things and ask ask those questions so like for like it changed it in that way and I actually it changed it in a way that I felt more confident in a room to voice my opinions because uh sometimes on a musical if it's a long running one you know you're 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 coming in and you're doing a show that's already been done yeah there's already a shell of yeah the show so you have you know is. to a certain extent as much as you can bring your own you know you as a person into this character you're still having to go to you know stand on a certain place and uh you know do do the certain kind of staging that's already set uh, with the kind of commercial musicals but with with uh, Anthony and Cleopatra we were creating that we were figuring yeah. out we were figuring oh, out oh. The, the staging and we were like the director would be like what do you think like what how do you feel about this and like genuinely ask you your opinion on things and so for me that was kind of like oh okay my I do have an opinion let me let me say it if I'm feeling it and let me see if I can add anything as an artist to the to the process of of the story is that we're telling so that was the main thing I learned from Anthony and Cleopatra oh gorgeous so what came next was it Fiverr yeah I think it was Fiverr I think it was Fiverr oh. yeah I, so I watched that um the concert you did and it, it was so good Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do, uh, do you want to just explain what uh, uh Fiverr is so basically like I've I've known Alex Ellison the writer since we were 16 um and he he went oh, is that from Brit yeah he was the year above me at Brit and like he I think I, I I'd like just gotten back from Aladdin or yeah no I was doing Anthony and Cleopatra and mm. and I had like because we were in rep when we're doing the show so we have a couple of weeks off when at Hadestown was in at the um oh yeah so, yeah, yeah. so when Hadestown was doing their show we had two weeks off and then vice versa so he was like do you want to come and judge a singing competition that I do in um that I'm doing called West End Calling um mm. and I was like yeah okay and then he as we were driving to Manchester he was like oh I've written this show 
I feel like you'd be quite good in it. And I was like, oh, okay. But like, it was just, it was more kind of a chat. Like we didn't, there was no, you know, like, I knew Alex is good. Like he always writes amazing things and he's so, so talented. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And then like, maybe like a week after he sent me like some of the songs and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And he's like, we're going to make it happen. And so like two weeks after that, I, I'd got like a contract through and everything for, to do to do like Fiverr at Southwark. Um, wow, that was quick. Yeah. And then and then like um, Dan, Dan was already doing it because he'd done it before. And so it was just Aoife and Luke then. And so we had, mm. so when it's basically the story follows a five pound notes journey through London and all these different people and characters that it meets along the way so there's a lot of multi-rolling there's a lot yeah. of costume co- oh my god the costume changes. <laughs> you know, so there's it, it's just like just like little vignettes of like stories in like dipping in and out of these stories in London and then act two is kind of a bit a bit darker in a way and like we see we focus in on on a, set, a specific story for the whole of Act Two, and then and then after that happens, we see a couple a couple of other vignette moments at the end. But it is, yeah, it, that's essentially the story of Fiverr. <laughs> oh, so what was it like to go from these massive productions with big cast like Anthony and Cleopatra mm. to just this small cast at the Suffolk Playhouse, which is such an intimate space? Mm. I mean, like. Uh... It was fun. It was so much fun. I mean, it was stressful because we had no rehearsal time, but it was it was amazing because there was five of us in the cast. So we yeah. so we literally just like if we felt we didn't get some we there was no room to not know what you were doing. Like you had to know what you're doing at all times but also 99% of the time none of us knew what we were doing because we because we had because we had like six days rehearsals across two weeks to put on this show oh wow yeah so it was like it was full on it was really really full on but once we did that first show we were all kind of relieved we were like oh you can do anything yeah Yeah. we were like oh my god how did we do this show in six days with like fully full costume changes and like script and scenes and songs and it was it was a lot but like really exciting at the same time yeah people love that show didn't we they? were honestly like yeah. none of us expected <laughs> not in it <a>, like <laughs> like we just when we were doing it we were just like doing it like we didn't think anyone was good the response that people had to it was insane we we were so blown away by how much everyone loved that show and wanted it to come back and still now people love Fiverr and it's yeah yeah it's amazing Uh, so what was that creative process like obviously you said it was really short but these songs have kind of become known as your song if you know what I mean like your defying gravity (laughs) I mean um it was amazing like I, I love uh, my favorite thing is to be a part of a musical when it's being made um, and to create get to create those roles so like a, a lot of the stuff that I've been doing like in in lockdown has been like um, workshops for new musicals or getting to do albums for new musicals which is my favorite thing because you get to you get to create what it is like you yeah. get to you know um, pick the keys you get to do mm. you get to like add riffs or you know or whatever it is that you're doing or like uh, the phrase make sure the phrase is this way like you get to create that so like if someone comes and they do a production of Fiverr it's that but you you set that so that's cool like I love doing that and uh, getting to be a part of the like I said with Anthony and Cleopatra it's getting to be a part of that creative process where you know 
they'll be like hey do you like doing it like that and if you say yeah cool that stays but if you're like actually can I try it like this then that's you can change it like nothing is set in stone so um stuff was constantly changing and even in the concert version we changed stuff so Mm. it was it's cool to be able to go to something and and literally be a part of that creative process with Alex and Tom who wrote the show uh yeah so you said it was such a a small rehearsal period and there were plenty of costume changes etc did anything like that ever go wrong 100% like yeah. 100% there, there was one costume for anyone that that watched the show it was the very end after I do letter five without any spoilers which is the big kind of reveal and then I run off stage and I meant to change into the girlfriend character. So I take off my blazer and my tie and everything. And I meant to put on a, a skirt and a black top. And, right. and normally what I do for act two, uh, spoilers, is that I, I underdress the black top underneath so that when I take off the shirt and tie, the black top's already there. So I, I just literally whack on the skirt on top of my jeans and roll my jeans up. That's how quick the, the change is. Uh, there was a few times where I just could not do like it, there was just no time <laughs> there was no time because also stuff like stuff changed and you know like sometimes if a song was played faster or you know because it, it was changing yeah. every day it, I just did not make that change so I would take off my my shirt and uh, tie and let my hair out of my ponytail and then it would literally be like okay now I'm the girlfriend but I'm still in my jeans but we're just <laughs> gonna make it work but it was it, yes. yeah the magic of theater yeah <laughs> literally literally that so there are a few moments like that there was one time where like um in you know the scene where they're they're all in the like birthday party that was cut for the concert but like it was like a there was a really really fast-paced scene and there was one time um because there was another show happening in the other theater as people are running around to like come in to do their next entrance because you have to run through the theater at Southwark Playhouse the other show was letting out for their interval so like (gasps) yeah so people were like excuse me (laughs) like pushing people out the way to try and get to do their their so there was like so many things that happened that were just hilarious but but amazing at the same time (laughs) yeah when I went to watch um Carrier um what was it uh like the end of the show I saw them all scurrying out after the curtain call because I want to go out and get a drink yeah (laughs) and I just saw everyone scurrying because they have to go they have to leave the theatre to go up to the dressing rooms yeah they're upstairs aren't they you have to walk past them yeah yeah right and then so after Fiverr was it Brooklyn yes I think so I think so so I um was this was 2019 right yeah yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. I think so, so too. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, well, I mean, it, nothing uh, happened in 2020. <laughs> yeah. So I was uh, on the bus on the way to work, going like through uh, Whitehall, like across Westminster, and then I have to get off because blooming West End Live and like walk oh, yeah. and get out of And that's where I, I think I first heard you sing uh, Once oh, Upon yeah. a Time, like as I was in a <laughs> hut, but then I was kind of like, wow, this, this is insane. So. Uh, can you talk about what it was like taking on that momentous song, especially after Eden Espinosa yeah. made it so yeah. iconic? Oh my her. gosh! Like I feel like everyone's heard that version of Eden Espinosa yeah. sing it. Um, like I loved Brooklyn when I was like training at drama school. So I used to listen, even though there's not a cast recording. I used to listen to like all the songs on. We had this 
yeah on youtube, on YouTube or yeah. Like, and like i once upon a time was my favorite song like i i used to sing it for auditions and, and like everything it was just my i i loved the song i thought it was such a good song and then um i i saw that brooklyn was coming to to london and i was like oh my god like i i want to be a part of this so i asked my agent if i could be submitted for it and then I, I turned up and I never do this for auditions. Like I never do this. Normally if they ask you to sing two pop songs or something, you just sing two pop songs. But yeah. I, I came, I went into the audition and they said, what do you have for us? And I said, once upon a time from, <laughs> and they were like, okay. Um, but because I literally, I was like, I, I need to play this role. This is for me, this was like my, one of my dream roles. So I was like, I need to do this. And so I, I did it for them. And they they gave me some direction stuff. And then I, I went back the next day and did some other stuff for them, like notes and a bit of scene work. Even though there's not mu- there's not many scenes in Brooklyn, it was like a, a couple of yeah. scenes, uh, I guess, to see like American accent and all of that stuff. Um, and then literally, I think that day I found out I got I, I got Brooklyn. And West End, when we did West End Live, I was actually in rehearsals for Fiverr. So I missed one of the Fiverr rehearsal days to do West End Live. <laughs> so, solid five days of rehearsal. Yes. yes. <laughs> so um, we had, for, for that um, West End Live performance, that was the first time we'd all met, like as a cast. It was, we, we did one morning of rehearsal doing the staging of what we were going to do. And mm. then West End Live. That's insane. Yeah, so that was the first time we'd we'd properly like sung it together as a cast and like did did anything and like yeah. And now I love the cast of Brooklyn. Like we get on so like yeah. Andrew, Emily, Sabrina, John, like all of them, Aisha. They're all like my because again, it was a small cast with Brooklyn. So yeah, that, that's the good thing about that. So you can you know spend a lot of time with everyone. So how long was that show? On for yeah, it was on for about a month. After that, did you go into Jamie? Yeah, in January. Yeah, we started rehearsals for Jamie in in December and then opened in January. Okay, so how did that come about? Was it just a case of auditioning? Yeah, yeah, pretty similar. Like, um, I I had I had an audition at the Apollo, um, and then no, it was at next door at the Lyric where Thriller was. And then... Uh, but on stage? No, there's no. Like a, there was a room. I mean, the studio. Yeah, there was a room up there. And not even a studio, like uh, the bar. Like the... Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then we, like, where we read some script and stuff and and there was a keyboard and we did a bit of singing. Mm. And then, uh, and then there was a dance call. and Because mm. uh, if you've seen the show, Pretty does, like, all the dancing. Yeah, she so, does. So I did a dance call and then there was a recall on stage. So... <sighs> We did we did the like the beautiful scene and song mm-hmm. and spotlight on stage in front of like Nika and the producers and the team. And then there was another then there was another audition where I was reading with like potential Jamies. Um and then oh, wow. and then we with like Johnny and Dan and like the original team. Mm. And then yeah, and then I found out again that day that I, I I'd gotten it. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah. So I had um, oh, an awful Tinder date where the person had just come from the matinee. Oh, my uh, God. 
and they were uh, they were American. Yeah. And they were like, that is the first time I've ever seen Muslim representation on stage where it's like in the ensemble where people are just dancing in hijabs yeah. and it's not particularly mentioned. It's not focused no. on. So uh, did you have any, do you have any story and uh, more like stage door stories of um, people approaching you about that? Yeah, of course. Like, I think it's so, it's amazing. Like for me, yeah. Jamie is the, mo- the most the most diverse show in the West. I 100% agree. And like getting to be a part of that, like I I grew up Muslim, like my family are Muslim Mm. and having a girl in a hijab on stage is like incredible, incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm Muslim, I do musical theatre. Like why shouldn't, why shouldn't people be reflected on stage, you know? Completely. So for for me, like it's so important. And the two Muslim characters couldn't be any more different as people. Like, (laughs) Like Fatima is this kind of feisty, you know, like, uh, how the girls were in my secondary school to be fair and then like um and then pretty is a bit more you know like she's still feisty and has has a fire to her but it's she's you know a bit a bit keeps her head down a bit more but I think like that even that representation of not one but two Muslim girls on stage is is amazing that show for me is just so, oh gosh like it's just everything is reflected on that stage like everything uh sexuality gender um like religion uh race um it's it's all there like there's there's something in that show for everyone I I truly believe that like I truly believe if you go see Jamie there's some something in there for everyone yeah definitely my little sister she's 10 years old Mm. and she it just loves that cast recording I'm not sure if it's appropriate for her some of it but (laughs) She absolutely loves it. And there's something that just young people, young adults mm-hmm. are drawn to. Young um, adults, but also like grown grown men and grown women. Yeah. Like they, they love it. They they love the show. And, you know, like the, the part of Margaret for a lot of people that, you know, have, um, have uh, children in like the LGBTQ plus community, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's, they can really relate to her, you know? So I think, and even if you don't have a child or, or that's LGBTQ plus, like just as a mother, you can relate to her story and, you know, trying to figure out yeah, your definitely. child. So I think, I think, you know, there, literally there is something in it for everyone. And so obviously you were in Jamie when the country went into a national lockdown. Yeah. Where were you when you found out that news? We were, we were at the theatre. Yeah, a... we were doing a, a put-in um, rehearsal. So we had a dress run. Um, and we were about to put a new company member in the show when it um, when we went into lockdown. So we did their dress run and then we had kind of like parish notes and it was at the notes they said, oh, um, they said we can't do the show today. But again, at the time, it wasn't like... Yeah, did you just think it was going to be like a couple of weeks? Yeah, we all thought it was, yeah. was going to be two weeks um, and then we'd, we'd be back. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> little did we know a whole year <laughs> later, but... <laughs> But still yeah. in lockdown yeah exactly mm. but um so yeah we were at the at the theater and then off we had lockdown for six months mm-hmm. and then you went back into jamie what was it like to finally be back on a stage again it was so emotional in front of people. oh my gosh yeah. it was so emotional i think that very first show so we had a dress run for family and friends and invited guests um because we hadn't done the show in a while so it was nice to kind of do it in front of an audience before we did it in front of a paying audience so um that I think it was a Friday yeah it was a it was a Friday uh evening and they all came 
to watch the show socially distanced it was full like it was a sold out crowd socially distanced wise and the energy from the audience was electric like when we when we came on stage to do that first number and you know the year 11s come on and we sit on our desks the the applause went on for about five minutes um, I mean, people were starved for this. Yeah, and, and we the buzz, and we all like on stage. We were all just looking at each other, like, "Oh my oh. god!" Like, like it felt like such a um, incredible thing to be able to kind of represent an industry that was so. We were the only book musical back in the West End, so we, mm. we were the, we were the only book musical. We had a full script, story, a massive cast. Like, there were so many people working on that show, and yeah, and so it felt like a big kind of responsibility and uh, and amazing at the same time to be able to do that for so many people that couldn't, you know? Yeah. Uh, did you have to adapt the show at all for like yeah. social distancing guidelines? So what, what had changed? It, it was obviously we were being tested, so we didn't have, we yeah. didn't have to do as, as many adaptations. Was that every 48 hours? Yeah. But, it, but yeah. we obviously still had to have precautions, um, mm. like extra mitigations just in case. So we, we, if there was say a kiss, the kisses were all cut um, and and we figured out different ways to make it work because obviously there's no kind of romantic uh, story in Jamie, so we we didn't yeah. we could make that happen and uh, just moments of kind of like we were all in charge of our own props now, so stage management couldn't give us our props. Yeah. Um, it was yeah, just kind of small adjustments like that. Some of the script changed as well. We we had to we did oh really like what? well Jamie's set in modern day, so we yeah we, we reflected covid like <laughs> didn't perform all in masks we had masks we had masks in the show <laughs> oh, did yeah you? we had masks in the show oh i didn't know yeah that. we had we had not not the whole way through but like we oh that's each so character had their individual masks that they had and and like we had points where we took it off and on and you know like we talk, spoke about bubbles and we spoke about like oh that's great you know, really all, all of these do, all these things and you know the audiences loved it as well like they yeah, yeah they loved the changes because they all of us were living through this so it was nice to see it on stage yeah uh, even if it was just for a yeah, week not even four shows it was four shows oh yeah because you started yeah. a bit later than that oh wow well at least at least you got to yeah there. i'm so <laughs> grateful i feel so lucky that i was able to just do a little bit you know like it was the energy i needed to kind of keep me going in this time yeah, yeah definitely yeah right i I think that brings us to uh, questions that yeah. have okay. Everybody always wants to know, what is your dream role? I mean, everyone that knows me knows that my dream role is Alphaba. Like, it, it, yeah, it, it's like... You can tell from that uh, theatre cafe video that I posted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can just tell how much you're enjoying it. Like, I, I just love... Uh, I want to, like, one day be Alphaba. It's my, it's my... What is it about that character? For me... It, is it the songs? No, actually. It's the, it's the fact that she's she's being judged on the color of her skin and there's so much more to her like there's so much more to her she's she's the most talented person in that that class and you know like and people think that she's getting those opportunities because of you know her skin or whatever there's it's, there's so much like yeah. nuance in the story obviously the songs are incredible and Stephen Schwartz writes the most incredible songs but but the story for me of Alphaba is like, and then she learns to love herself at the end for who she is without change. Like, I just think it's such a beautiful story. So for me, that's why I would want to play Alphaba. But the, the songs are also like iconic and everyone would want to sing yeah, those songs, you know? Do you have uh, a process in mapping out a song? Uh, specifically, what are your, your opinions on riffs on set songs? 
Um, I, I, I'm a believer in like, if the riff comes from a place of like emotion or like the story needs, needs that, you know, if it's like you're angry or something, there's something there or like, then yeah. if the if the riff is justified is what i'm saying is then sure but like if you're riffing for the sake of riffing then no unless you are singing a pop song and that's what you want to do that's also okay like there's no jud- yeah. judgment on that like it it's everyone is you know different but in terms of like riffing a, a musical theater song just for the sake of it like i i don't agree with that my my approach to to songs is that like n- normally i look at i look at the the lyrics first and I look at the story and then I I see kind of like the beginning middle and end or like what what it is that she's saying in this story and then I listen to the music separately if the music is available I'll listen to like just the music no lyrics because also the music has its own story and sometimes it contradicts what the lyrics are saying so you got to just figure out the balance there uh and then yeah and then I'll I'll sing it and and see but uh, there's, I, I don't think I've ever sung a song the same when I've sung, like it, I, I don't go oh these are the riffs that I'm going to do or this is what yeah. I think it's like what I'm feeling in that moment so sometimes like I might have a riff sometimes I won't have a riff but it's just like yeah there's no kind of set I, I don't normally set my riffs or or do like oh this is the riff I'm gonna do yeah. with Brooklyn there was a different riff every time <laughs> yeah. um, going into a long-running show is that uh would you have to okay certain riffs if you want to do them yeah. or would you just try them out on stage and see if you get told off? No, no, no. With a long running show, as far as I know, you'd, you'd have to uh, uh, try them out and okay them with, with your MD and like yeah. do that. I, I, I was never allowed to riff on Aladdin, but also the show wasn't... It doesn't call for Yeah, it really, so like, but... yeah. And also uh, with Jamie, like um, uh, I, Pretty doesn't riff. The only part that I have like a little riff is the... Um, beginning of act two and everybody's talking about jamie yeah and, and that was something that i could work on with the md and we figured it out at the at the beginning and there's like a little bit of like scope if i wanted to change anything but it's also like it doesn't need it like it, yeah. it probably the moment is like her coming out of her shell so like it doesn't need to be ridiculous at the same time so um so yeah like in answer to that question uh, in a, in a <laughs> long running show you do need to make sure that you're allowed to do those things you can't just do it Great, thank you. Uh, were there any differences in doing a show in Australia? Like, were, or was it just like doing a West End show? Like just the weather. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally <laughs> just the weather. It was exactly the same show. I will say the theatres there are so much nicer. Because oh, really? they're newer. They're, they're they? newer, they're cleaner. Yeah. Like, they're, it's just, it's just <laughs> like n- nicer facilities. So, And they've just got more space. So my dressing rooms are always like gorge but I think like yeah. um uh obviously the West End has just got history and for me like growing up in London it was always a dream of mine to do a show in London like a West End yeah. a West End musical so like that that for me like as much as I loved Australia and like oh gosh if anyone gets a chance to work there do because the people are amazing I've some of my best friends now are from Australia but I think um I think uh, the main differences are just the weather, <laughs> the, we- the weather and the facilities, I guess. You didn't have any problems with like giant sized spiders? Or Luck- anything, did luckily, you? I didn't. Like, luckily, I didn't because I-, I would not have, <laughs> I would not have been no, okay. Because I stayed in like uh, apartments and stuff. So it wasn't, I yeah. didn't have like. Not any outbound, no, yeah. no, no. Oh my God, <laughs> I would have freaked out. 
Um, right, this is quite a fun mm. one. If you could adapt any film to a musical, what would it be? Miss Congeniality. <gasps> oh my god, amazing. Both one and two, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it would be, like, so much fun to do the whole, like, the whole, <laughs> the whole pageant stuff and, like, oh gosh, I, I've been thinking Miss Congeniality should be a musical for so long, but yeah, Miss Congeniality, definitely. Oh, amazing. I love that. Um... <laughs> uh, Advice for staying vocally fit during lockdown? I mean, like, it's hard. I think cut yourself some slack as well. Like, I, I think, you know, this time is is so mentally draining for, like, a lot of people. So don't feel like you have to constantly stay vocally fit. Yeah. If you can, do a few vocal exercises a day, something really simple, like lip trills, sirens, just getting your voice working. But... Like, you don't need to do, you know, a whole set list every single day of, like, 40-minute songs. Just mm. give yourself a break. But also, if there are days where you feel like, I want to sing loads, make sure you're doing a full vocal warm-up before it just to keep your voice, like, yeah. active, just so you're not then tired the next day. But, yeah, just, like, everything in, um, what's the word? Moderation. Moderation, exactly. Beautiful. And a final question. Was there a person you were super starstruck meeting, like came to the show or just working with? Oh, gosh. I, I don't know if I'm ever starstruck. Like, I'm not, I'm never starstruck, but I'm always in awe of the person's kind of talent. So, like, mm. obviously, doing a play with Sophie Okonedo and Ray Fiennes it's like wow you you guys are incredible but like (laughs) I I don't think I was starstruck but I think there are certain people that you admire their talent so much that obviously you feel like wow how lucky am I to be working with with them so like Rachel John for me as well like she's my she's been my mentor really she's I had my first ever job with her that I we did um a workshop of Bend It Like Beckham when I was in drama school Mm. and she literally took me under her wing and has been like my mentor ever since so like when you meet people like Rachel like she she for me is like someone I'm in awe of like in star like a guest starstruck but but like more with friends like I think so for me it's like when when someone is so talented you're just in awe of them rather than starstruck well I think that's all the questions Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you for having me. I hope I I didn't ramble too much. Oh, no, you were perfect. Thank you. So if you uh, want to watch the video, you can uh, go onto YouTube, just search Rainbow High Notes and the full video will be up. Um, Or you can follow us on Instagram for just like little clips, little theatre excellence, what I like to call it. Um, Heba, where can they find you? I am at Hibster on Twitter, which is H-I-B-S-T-A-H. And, Great name. And I am, or I'm at Heba underscore L Chic on, um, on Instagram. Gorgeous. And I'll put a post up so you can follow that through. So thank you so much for joining me, Thank Heba, you for having and me. We'll see you all next time. Bye. Don't trap on the Argentina. The truth is I never left you All through my wild days, my mad existence I kept my promise